Today, as we finish this, this series uh, on this topic, uh, God gave me one, one last message to share. And we've been talking about a lot of reasons, you know, why we give in general as Christians, uh, finances according to, to Scripture, how God intends it, you know, planning practical things, making a budget, uh, praying about it, you know, asking the Lord to lead you. Uh, yes, last week I talked about uh, giving as worship. And that's really the purest motive of why you would give uh, to something like this or to give to the church in general. And today I just want to encourage you, and this is really uh, my main, the main point of my message, the last thing I really want to say about all this. When it comes to giving, when it comes to whatever you just pledged, what, when it comes to what you are going to end up giving to this campaign, it's not about the amount. It's about your heart. It's not about the amount, it's about your heart. How many of you have ever been to a church service uh, where they have an offering time regularly? They, they maybe pass buckets like we just did. We pass buckets through the pledges, we don't usually do that for offerings. But how many of you have ever been to a church service where they pass buckets or there's some type of offering? Like every single church service, right? Now, how many of you have ever been to a church service where... Uh, you know, maybe they get a little creative or maybe they do it this way every week, but it's like, we're going to put the buckets on the stage. And during worship, we're going to, it's, you know, giving's an act of worship, right? We're going to invite y'all to come up and put your money in the, in the bucket up in front of everyone. And it kind of feels like a parade. Any y'all better ever been to one of those before? All right. Some of you, some of you, and you know, God might lead a a church to do that at some point, but uh, we don't do it that way in particular. Uh, But I, my wife and I went to a church a few years ago, and we were just passing through. I don't even remember why we went to this church. It was up in Chillicothe, Ohio, and, and like some of our family wanted to go, and, and we were, I don't even remember why, but we visited this church. It was not a church we were like a part of. We literally just visited one Sunday, and we didn't really know what to expect, and we get in there. And the pastor gets up first thing. He's like, I feel a little led, you know, do things a little different today. I'm going to preach first. And then after I preach, we're going to worship. And then we're going to have a special giving time. And, and it was kind of like, all right. So the, he preaches. And it was a good sermon. It was like, all right. And then he's like, you know, let us into worship. And the band starts and we worship. And then during worship, you know, he gets back up and he's like, we're feeling led to do offering a little different today. He's like, we've put the, they had a, a really big stage. It was a larger church. They, they put out all these, uh, you know, buckets or whatever. And, and there, I, there was even guys like holding him, you know, like some people holding the buckets up in front of the stage, you know, like ushers or whatever. And he's like, the giving is an act of worship. It's how we worship God, you know, along with a lot of other things. But he's like, during this next song, come up and make it an offering, you know, and he really laid it on, you know, like you really need to give to the Lord. And, and, and I'm sitting there going, oh, oh, crud, you know, because I'm not in my church. At this time, we went to a church up in Michigan, and I, and, and I was a worship leader in that church. And I'm sitting there thinking several things in that moment. One is, I don't carry cash, you know. This was probably 10 years ago, but even then, I, don't, I didn't carry cash. We have a checkbook. We use it like once a year, maybe, right? I did not, we did not have it with us, right? And I'm sitting here thinking, man, all these people are about to get up and go give, and my wife and I, we are good. It's like I'm already defending myself in my mind, you know? I'm like, we are good people. 
we tithe to our church. This is not our church. And if I had money, I would give it, even though it's not my church, to bless you. But I literally have nothing. And so he's laying it on. He's like, I really want to encourage you. If you've never given, come up and, and just anything, anything you can give. You know, and, and my wife looks at me like, oh, boy. And I'm like, look at her. And she's like, you got cash? You got like 20 bucks or something? I'm like, babe, I got nothing. I was like, if I open my wallet, there's moths are going to fly out, right? Like, I got nothing. And, and they didn't have online giving, by the way, right, at that time. And so it was, it was one of those situations like where we, we can't give if we wanted to, right? And then you start feeling all those weird social pressures, right? The awkwardness, you know, cue the awkward sauce. And they start the song, and I mean, everybody gets up. And, you know, maybe it was just me being a little bit paranoid, but it felt like when people walked past us, they were like, still sitting down, I see. Must not be very generous. Probably not a Christian. Did you kill someone last night? Right? That's how you feel. I was just like, oh, this is just the worst, right? Imagine when we take up our special offering on April 3rd. Imagine we did that. Put it up here people holding bugs. Listen, we're not going to do that, all right? So chill, all right? We'll even make it online if you want to do it that way. No one has to know, right? And that releases you. We're, my wife and I are going to give online, so you're not going to see us put something in a bucket, all right? So, so all you people who, who don't feel led to give, you're not going to get singled out, so just chill. But imagine, imagine, imagine we did it that way. Imagine we had things set up. We, we do have the offering boxes in the back. You can drop a check in there if you want. But imagine we had it set up. And imagine not only people watch you, you know, where two or three are gathered, there Jesus is among us, right? But imagine that particular day he wasn't with us just in spirit. Imagine he was here in the flesh. And imagine, you know, you wanted to give, you, you went to give. And as you did, you see Jesus standing there watching you put money in. Now, here's what I know. Some of you will give a whole lot more if you... <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> kind of. And so, <laughs> it's true though, wouldn't you? Just out of guilt, Jesus is watching me. Give, write it, put another zero down there. Yeah, see? Got you, man. Love, love. <laughs> Jesus is watching you. All right. Imagine, though, wouldn't that be awkward? Let's find out how awkward it is. I'll stand there in his stead and just watch you. Did you know there's a story in the Bible where Jesus did that? Let me show it to you. It's in Mark chapter 12, starting verse 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. He literally intentionally walks right across from where people are dropping their money, and they had money boxes similar to what we do in the back, and we do that to be discreet. Maybe that's why they did it, right? They did, it was just a collection box. It was probably locked so that thieves couldn't grab it, you know, but there was a slot, you know, to put it in, and Jesus sits down next to it and right to where he can get a good view, and he's watching people put 
their money in. Why would Jesus do this? It's because he's going to have a teaching moment. He wants to highlight something to his disciples. It says, many rich people threw in large amounts. I just noticed it says threw in, you know? It's like, right? (laughs) I'm so rich, I throw my money. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him. Once he sees this woman come, this, a couple coins, and, and the type of coins it mentions, literally in our day, it would be worth a few cents. Like a few quarters, maybe a couple dollar bills. She puts it in. He calls his, he's like, that's what I was waiting for. Jesus was extremely prophetic, right? He knows something's coming. The father, I only do what I see my father doing. The father was whispering to him, go stand opposite the money box. I want you to see something. There's going to be a a teaching moment. Wait for the moment. He sees rich people throwing in very large amounts. He says nothing. He's waiting. He's waiting. He sees a poor widow come, put in a few cents, and the father goes, Jesus, here's the moment. Teach them. And Jesus goes, okay. This is what he says. Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. There were rich people putting in very large amounts. Now think about this in a day and age where it wasn't digital. It wasn't discreet, get your phone out. I typed in a number, you don't even know what number I typed in, and I gave, and it could have been a very large amount, but you would never know. No, this is a day and age where they only had cash money. This is a day and age where you didn't write a check even, so it's one slip. This is a day and age where you're carrying your money. So if you're throwing in large amounts, you're holding it. It's a show. It's a procession, right? Here's a bag. Oh, wait, I think I have a few more bags of money to give, right? But Jesus said she gave more because they gave out of their wealth. Now, I don't know why this has been happening to me, but you know how on social media when you watch a little video like a reel or whatever they call those, I, I call them TikToks, but I don't even have TikTok. It's the, it's the Facebook, Instagram reel version. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, nod your heads. Anyways, even okay, all right. Just affirm me. Smile and affirm me, all right? <laughs> and so... <laughs> Uh, you know how you watch those, and after you watch one, it just suggests one, right? And so you, it tends to suggest the ones you like, and it, it knows you. The algorithms are reading. And so I see a lot of dunk videos, all right? I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, and so I, maybe that's why. But here recently, I kid you not, I've seen several videos of Shaq, like, being generous. Anybody seen videos of Shaq being generous lately? Wow, it's a thing. They're, like, going viral. Like, this one was Shaq going into a department. It looked like a Walmart or something. And he had a whole family with him. And he took this kid. He's like, picks you out a bike. Oh, don't you want the mongoose? That's what I had when I was a kid. Get the mongoose. You know, I'm just like, this is awesome. Look at Shaq. This is amazing. Maybe a week later, another one was suggested. It's Shaq 
He's taking a whole family to a car dealership. He had them pick out like a brand new, like 12 or 15 passenger van because they had like a whole slew of kids, like five, seven kids or something like that. And he's like literally buying them a brand new car. I was like, look at Shaq. And he, they were like interviewing him and he's, he's like, you know, whoever's doing a video, he's like, looks camera. He's like, I can't hold on to all this money. He's like, I can't spend it all. I need to, I need to help people. And I just thought, man, look at Shaq. Praise God for Shaq, right? Don't be like Mike, be like Shaq. No, anyways. <laughs> look at Shaq. Isn't that amazing? But then I had this thought. Dude's like a billionaire, right? That'd be like me walking in and spending a quarter and be like, pick you out a bike, you know? Like, here's a $5 bill. Pick you out a Mercedes 15 passenger van, right? He's being generous, but proportionally, it's probably not that much money for him. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said out of her poverty, she gave all she had to live on, and it was more than, even though the amount was less than, it was more than those who were giving large amounts. And I think he's speaking to something more than just percentage. Percentage-wise, she gave 100%. So she gave more than anybody. That's, that's true. But I don't think Jesus was saying that. I think what he meant was that cost her something. She could have bought maybe a piece of bread with that, you know, to eat lunch. But she gave that up. She only had a few cents. She only had a few dollars maybe in our day and age. She could have got a four-piece nugget off the dollar menu and had lunch. But she even chose, no. Maybe she's reasoning, well, yeah, I could do that, but it's one meal. That's not going to save my life. (laughs) Might as well invest in the one who can save my life. And so she gives it up. But it cost her something. She gave all she had to live on. Those rich people, they gave tons of money. They gave very large amounts. But here's the deal. They're so wealthy, they didn't have to go without. If I were a betting man, which I'm not, but if I were, let me clarify, which I'm not, Rumors will start, man. But if I were, I would bet you that because Shaq bought a Mercedes 12-passenger, 15-passenger van for this family, my guess is he does not have to give up one of his cars to do that. My guess is he can do that and still go buy himself seven more Lamborghinis if he wanted to. Oversized ones that he could actually fit in. Because he has so much money. He's giving, and I praise God for generosity, and I think Shaq's awesome for doing that. But it's really not costing him anything. Here's what I know. There are some people in this room who just pledged something. And it's going to cost you. And you know it. And as you prayed through it, you thought about it, you went, you may have even been discouraged. Man, they're trying to raise $3 million. This little bit that I'm going to pledge. I prayed about it, but this is all I got. This is all I can do. 
how far is this going to go among such a big need? I don't know, but I'm going to give what I have. And you know what? Because I'm giving it, I'm not going to be able to do that vacation or I'm not going to be able to do some things. I'm going to have to give up some, some things to do this. But I'm going to do it because Jesus is worth it. And if that's you, I say to you, God bless you. I say to you, Jesus sees that. He will honor your worship. And I want to say to all of you, it's not about the amount. It's about your heart. Here's what I know. Jesus might be more pleased with someone who gives $1,000 over three years to this campaign than someone who gives $100,000 over three years to this campaign. Because maybe that $1,000 was such a sacrifice. And they, it was an act of extravagant worship for that person. Maybe Jesus is even more pleased with someone who gives $100 to this campaign over three years than someone who gives a million dollars to this campaign. I don't know. Because God looks at the heart. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And here's what I know. If we give his worship, if we check our hearts, if we pray, the amount will not matter. God will do this project. And here's what I know. When we count up the pledges after church, when we share them with you, either on social media or via email tonight or tomorrow, or tantalize you and make you wake till next Sunday, whichever one we decide to do. If it's at three million or over, praise God for the generosity of his people. But here's what I know. If it's less than three million, if it's way less than three million, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. And if we give with the right heart, the amount will not matter, but God will do this project. Remember another story in a few different places in the Gospels? The story of the feeding of the 5,000. Remember that story? It's in John chapter 6, and Jesus is preaching and teaching, and um, it's a huge crowd. Some scholars believe they just counted the men. So it could have been, it's between five and 10,000 people. That's a huge crowd, Right? Especially in that day and age. They're out in the country on a hillside. Jesus teaches them all day long. He's healing people all day long. He's exhausted. His disciples are helping. They're exhausted, right? They get to the end of the day. The disciples come to Jesus. They say, hey, like they're wrapping up. It's pretty much over with, right? They're like, send these people home. Like it's getting late so they can get something to eat. Because otherwise they're going to have to spend the night in the wilderness. Some of them traveled two or three days just to see Jesus in person. They might not make the journey back. They don't get something to eat. They need energy, right? You need to send them home now. And Jesus goes, you give them something to eat. And one of the disciples, probably one of the more left-brained disciples, we need right and left-brained disciples, right? One of the more engineer type guys, one of the more money manager, like spreadsheets, Right? One of those guys goes, us feed them? It would take 
half a year's wages to feed all these people. What's he saying? A crowd of that size? Some of you all know you had a few hundred people at your wedding. How much did it cost per plate? Now do the math, five to 10,000. He did it real quick. He did it. He like literally just comes back to Jesus immediately. Are you kidding me? I've already thought about it. It would cost half a year's wage. It would cost 25, 30 grand for a one-time meal. And where would we even get the food? We're in the middle of nowhere. And Jesus says something that's pretty mind-blowing. He doesn't go, yeah, you're right. It would cost that much. Let's fundraise. Let's go. Don't check our money bags. Let's, let's, let's figure it out. Then we'll go buy the. Like, it would have taken three days to figure out the money thing, go buy the food, bring it back. This is what Jesus says. What do you have? It would take half a year's wages, $25,000, $30,000 to feed all these people one meal. And where would we even get the food? What do you have? He didn't say, do you have that much? He said, what do you have? Well, I don't know. What do we have, guys? You know, we didn't think about that. We didn't know. We don't, we don't know what we have. They check among them. Apparently, the disciples didn't have anything because they found a little boy who actually came prepared, <laughs> which I love. This kid is a planner. His parents are like, we're going to go see that Jesus. They're probably just pumped about getting healed or like hearing a good sermon. He's like, how long are we going to be gone? Reminds me of my kids. We have a portable hotspot internet thing. They're like, how long is this trip? Yeah, grab the internet, guys. We're going to be gone a while, right? Let's make preparations. This kid's like, how long are we going to be gone? All right, I'm getting that fish we caught. Yeah, all right, yeah, whatever. He brings two small fish, five small loaves of bread for the journey. They search around, they find him. Apparently, I don't think the disciples, like, accosted him and, like, stole his stuff. Yeah. Apparently, he was willing. Hey, we're looking for some food for Jesus, is probably what God told to him. Oh, well, I've got some. And so they bring him, John 6, verse 9. Andrew says, well, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? And I'm telling you, some of you who gave, that's what you thought about your gift. It's all I can do. But man, the church is trying to raise this. They're trying to build that. Oh my goodness. How far will this go among such a huge need? But Jesus just said, show me what you have. Give me what you have. So Jesus says, I'll take it. I can use that. And he does this miracle where he divides it over and over and over and over. He multiplies a gift of worship that's given to him to meet the need. And in fact, what's interesting is when you read this story, it actually far exceeds the need. That little boy came himself carrying two small fish and five loaves. And when it was over with, they gathered up 12 baskets full. And that kid couldn't even carry the leftovers. That doesn't make sense, does it? That's called kingdom math. Holy Spirit math. Multiplication. When God gets involved, when we give a gift of worship 
in faith, knowing this is God's will. Was it God's will to feed those people? Jesus said, you feed them. It's God's will, it's God's bill. And so he says to us today, what do you have? I'll use that. And so we like to say around here, fish and loaves. Fish and loaves. If we discover, come this week, our pledges are over three million, praise God. If they're less than three million, fish and loaves. God's going to provide. And somehow we'll have leftovers. Truly believe that. Some of you may not be able to give that much. But what if you're giving inspires others to give and because of your faith and doing what you can God provides everything we need because you so inspire other people to give have you ever thought about that man I'm going to be sharing a story about that um probably in a couple weeks I was going to share it today but I feel like the Lord's saying Wait, wait. And so I'll share it with you uh, in a couple weeks as we lead up to our special offering time on April 3rd about a way that God is doing that even in our midst. I just want to encourage you with Second Corinthians 8 verse 12. God says it this way. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church as he's talking about offerings and taking up things. He says, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. I want to renounce shame off of anybody who wants to give more but feels like they can't. And I command that shame to leave this place and leave your life right now in the name of Jesus. I renounce that shame. Please do not think about going into major debt or giving with a credit card and you know, going way beyond your means. Please don't do that. That's not how God works. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. God just says to you today, what do you have? He will use what you have. And here's what I know. If God can take a little boy's lunch and feed 5,000 people, God could take your lunch money and build a church to house 5,000 people. In fact, he's already done it is back in the late 1800s, a little girl named Hattie Mae Wyatt. She went to a church that she dearly loved in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. And she went one week, and she got turned away from the Sunday school that day because it was literally so full. They literally had no more room. They said, we're so sorry. It's completely full. We can't fit anyone else in. And she was standing outside sobbing, and the pastor walked by. <laughs> And he goes, what's wrong? And she goes, they said I can't come in because it's too full. And so he did probably what Jesus would do. And he grabbed her hand and he marched her in there. And he made room and he got her in there. And he said, don't you worry. 
because we're going to raise money and we're going to build a a new building that's going to be a lot bigger. And there's always going to be room when we do that. Now, what she didn't know, what he was referring to is that this had been in his heart and it had been in their leadership's heart, but they had not done anything practical yet to actually make that happen. They were not announcing to their church, we're going to do this, you know, let's raise money. They had, they wanted to, but they hadn't started the process yet. They had just, just began dreaming about it. So this little girl hears about it, Hattie Mae Wyatt, she goes home and tells her parents, I want to save up my pennies and to give it to the church to help them build a new building. And so her parents blessed that, and she had little chores that she could do, and and she began saving her pennies. And this is what Dr. Conwell, who was the pastor, said of her in a sermon that he preached about this many years later in 1912. He said, she was a lovable thing. But in only a few weeks after that, she was suddenly taken ill and died. And at her funeral, her father told me quietly of how this little girl had been saving money for a building fund. And there at the funeral, he handed me what she had saved, just 57 cents in pennies. What happened next is nothing short of amazing. At a meeting of the church trustees, Dr. Conwell told them, of Hattie's gift of 57 cents, the first gift toward the proposed building fund, which had barely been spoken of as a new building had simply been a possibility for the future. The trustees were so impressed to buy a lot on Broad Street in faith, inspired by her gift, and the owner of the lot was approached regarding its sale. So this this gift was a catalyst that started started this church into, you need, to, you need to start down this path, right? In the meanwhile, they told the church about this little girl's story and her 57 cents. They, were, they sold the pennies to people in the church, and the result was raising of $250. 54 of those pennies were returned and put on display in the church. News of the story spread, and checks started coming in from far and wide, including one check of $10,000, which was a huge sum of money at that time, near the turn of the century. Reportedly, within five years, the little girl's gift had increased to $250,000. This church not only went to build a new church building that would hold thousands of people, this church actually ended up starting a hospital in this city. After this, this church also ended up starting a university to train pastors. It became Temple University, which is still there to this day. And in a sermon on December 1st, 1912, when Dr. Conwell was honoring Hattie Mae Wyatt's faith, He reminded his congregation of the impact of that 57 cents. He said, think of this large church, he said. Think of the membership added to it. Over 5,600 people since that time. Think of the institutions the church has founded. Think of the Samaritan Hospital and the thousands of sick people that have been cured there and the thousands of poor that are ministered to each year. All of this was set in motion by the simple gift of a little girl's 
pennies. Isn't that amazing? And it's true. If God could do that with just 57 cents, imagine what he can do with whatever it is we place in his hands. Just like the little boy who gave Jesus his five small loaves and two small fish, little is much with God in it. Little is much when God is in it. Amen? This church is little. In a little county. And a little dot on a little blue planet. But little is much when God is in it. Man, if God can do that with a little girl's 57 cents, I wonder what he can do with whatever we just pledged. <laughs> It's not a coincidence Bridget, our painter, was inspired to do what she did today. That was all God orchestrating that. Because some of you in here today, you don't think much of yourself. You think very little of yourself. And I'm here to tell you today, little is much when God is in it. And if God is in you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. Jesus loves you. And on the cross, he not only conquered your sin, he conquered your shame. He conquered everything you will ever come up against in your life. He conquered every battle. You don't fight for victory. You fight from his victory. So all you need to do when you're feeling defeated is turn again to him. Call upon his name. Amen. Let's do it right now. God, we just thank you for our time together today. And Jesus, we call upon the name. We call upon your name, Jesus, the name above every name. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that you are Lord. And so, God, we just surrender our lives to everyone struggling with depression, suicidal ideations, health problems, financial issues, marital issues, prodigal sons and daughter issues, relational issues, job issues. God, we say Jesus is the Lord over all of our problems, all of our lives. And we surrender to you. And we know when you say, we say you are Lord, God, you will come to our rescue. You care about what we're going through in this life. And so right now, church, I just feel led to have you repeat after me. Whatever you're going through, lift your situation up to him in your heart right now. Financial, marital, relational, your job, a sin issue, a struggle, you need forgiveness, you need salvation, whatever your struggle is right now. And we're going to declare Jesus is Lord today together over this situation. And I want you to say it with me, believing it. Jesus is Lord. He's in control. He's going to help me. He's able to save completely those who come to faith through him because he always lives to intercede for them, which means he's actively right now interceding for you in that situation. So bring it under his authority. And so right now, the count of three, just repeat after me. Jesus is Lord. One, two, Three, Jesus is Lord. Yes, God, you are Lord over our lives. God, you're Lord over this church. God, I once again give you your church back to you. This is your church. Lead it. Thank you for leading it to this point. God, I've seen your hand, your faithfulness. Oh, my goodness. I wish people could see everything I see, hear everything I hear and see your hand through it all in the way you lead us. And so many of the unplanned things that line up. And it's such your will, God. And I just love you so much. And I praise you for it. And I give you glory for it. 
And so we hand you this project, this capital campaign, and we say, Jesus is Lord. We trust you, God, and we move forward in faith. We love you. We pray that our giving, our worship, our lives, the prayers and meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.